The Center for Unhindered Living presents Plus Size Polyamory with Judy McMahon, where our motto is, don't follow the crowd, follow your heart. Hello, this is Judy McMath with the Center for Unhindered Living, and this is uh, Plus Size Polyamory. And today we are interviewing Suzette. Thanks, Suzette, for being here today. Thank you for having me. Okay. Um, so today we're going to be discussing polyamory, being plus size, and having a disability and the intersection of those three things. Um, first, uh, remember in our last episode, we talked about the definition of polyamory, which is basically loving more than one person at a time or having more than one relationship at a time. Uh, and we also talked about how uh, about 20% of the American population has had a polyamorous relationship at one time or another. So that's pretty prevalent, even though people really don't realize it's that prevalent. Um, so Suzette, could you tell us uh, a little bit about uh, how you got into polyamory, how long you've been polyamorous, and what does your relationship structure look like today? Very complicated. Okay, <laughs> so I... I did the traditional thing and I met and married my ex-husband, my now ex-husband um, in 2008. And then um, we had a very traditional relationship, very monogamous, had two kids. Um, and in 2016, he brought up the possibility of opening up the marriage. Luckily, by that point, I had already met a couple people that were became my friends that were also polyamorous. So I, I didn't immediately think, oh no, everything's over. Um, I actually decided to research and read up on studies, and I read books like *The Ethical Slut* um, that helped kind of guide me into this new world. And um, around that time, my my then husband he introduced me to his friend and his friend lived in New York and the capacity of maybe being part of this relationship. And um, it was very intriguing and his friend um, seemed very enticing. So I went ahead and um, hit him up online and we started developing a relationship online along long distance one um, at the same time that my then husband was starting to develop relationships with other people. And um, for a while, it, it was actually working pretty nicely. There was a lot, a lot of anxiety in the beginning, a lot of misunderstandings, um, lots of talking, lots and lots of talking. Um, and it got to the point where the relationship with his friend, AB, um, became very serious. And so I decided to start visiting him in New York. And I actually went to, to, went to New York for, um, uh, I think I went five times in one year <laughs> just to visit mm -hmm. him. I, I persuaded him to come out here and visit us. And a couple of times he came, John, John and I, my, my ex, my then husband and I really loved having him here. We felt like he was family. We, you know, he, he really gelled well with the children. It, it, we felt like our relationship was also becoming stronger. And so we asked him to come out and live with us. And he did. He moved out here in November of 2017. And that month I became pregnant 
And um, that's something that we had, and we wanted, we planned it. And because um, AB did not have any children and I had already had three, John had two biological children and AB and I thought, you know, the opportunity presented itself. There are three adults in the house. You know, we we have a house. We live. We we're pretty stable. Um, let's let's go ahead and do it. And so, Danny Phoenix was born in 2018. And so, four children, three adults. You know, we lived a relatively average, I guess, poly relationship. Um, unfortunately, my John and I started having some relationship issues, and I started finding out things that were being done behind my back. And he actually became very emotionally abusive. And so I asked for a divorce. And John moved out at the end of 2019. And we were officially divorced at the beginning of this year. AB and I stayed together. Now we have been on, in an on and off, <laughs> just roller coaster type of relationship as we also go to therapy and work on ourselves and um, realizing that healthy relationships require healing and they require yeah. self-awareness that we just didn't have at that time. Also, we were responding to trauma that had occurred to us when we were children. And so we were treating each other out of our triggers, not out of how we actually felt for one another. And so therefore, AB and I decided that it would be best if we started practicing uh, relationship anarchy. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so, you know, you're part of the poly world. Um, but for those people who don't understand a relationship anarchy, it, it really is. We kind of make our own rules. We do what works for us. So we don't say that we're boyfriend and girlfriend. We don't have that attachment. Um, we, but we are our partners and we co-parent. And with this, we've had the opportunity and the space to grow as individuals healing ourselves in those, those wounds, those, those things that really um, prevented us from being wholeheartedly in the relationship. It has also given us the opportunity to be able to talk to others without the fear of, um, oh, you're cheating on me, or this is emotional cheating, or um, we can develop ro um, romantic relationships with other people, you know, and at some point once <laughs> this panoramic is done we'll be able to maybe interact physically with other people um, but for for now this is really working and we're very happy and we don't fit within any societal relationship structure <laughs> we just do what's best for us and what's best for our children and I don't think that our family has ever been more well adjusted like we've never been happier and mm -hmm. um the communication has become so so much healthier and the way that we speak to one another there's no longer this you well I own you and you own me possessive and these are all the expectations that society is placing on us because we're a couple and so we're supposed to rely on each other for everything and that's all been removed and there's such a huge weight that's been taken off our shoulders so we're right. allowed to, we're we're allowed you know the freedom to to be who we are individually but then come together when we need to or even when we want to because we're really good friends we have a lot of fun we didn't want to destroy and annihilate the whole relationship just because certain parts didn't work right so we just 
tailor we've tailored it to work for our specific needs in the moment. And in the future, if it needs to change, then we'll go ahead and sit down and talk about it and we'll change it. Think a little to the communication issue because that definitely in poly, you have to have good communication skills. You have to be communicating. Whereas in a monogamous relationship, you can probably you don't you can get by without a lot of that communication. But speak about that a little bit. Oh, I, I honestly believe that that's fear. The lack of communication within a monogamous relationship is literally out of fear that you're going to say something or do something harmful to your to your partner. Right. Because if you think about it, healthy relationships just in general should require a ton of communication. It shouldn't just be limited to poly relationships. But the right. problem with monogamous relationships is that, oh, maybe if we tell them that we've been thinking about this other person or that we're crushing on another person or that we're speaking to another person in this more emotional, deeper way, that they're going to have their feelings hurt. So I'm just going to do this behind their back. Right. And so the wonderful thing about poly relationships is that it's out there in the open already. Like, hey, like we are open to whatever specifics in that particular relationship because every poly relationship is different. Um, and I'm going to tell you what I like to do. And you'll let me know whether or not that's going to step over your boundaries. And since it's already the idea of what well, we're already talking to other people, that stigma and that fear of hurting the other person is, mm -hmm. is lessened. Now, jealousy is going to be there no matter what, but in I feel like with monogamy, jealousy rules, and it rules the behavior of a lot of people within those relationships. But in poly, we're taught to really just look at within, where's the jealousy coming from? Um, is it an insecurity of yours? Does it have mm -hmm. anything to do with the actual situation? And then in that in itself lessens that jealousy and allows you to then um, free yourself from that. Right. Well, fear, I think fear is the bottom line in any of those situations. You're afraid of losing something. <clears throat> so, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So have you now, are you now, or have you ever been in the past considered plus size? Yeah, so I'm not considered plus size now. I'm actually mid, <laughs> I'm considered mid-size, like mid-size vehicle. Um, so I'm, fluff, I'm fluffy, and, um, but I have been, I've been plus size um, twice in my, in my adult life for a couple of years at a time. I, I had to order my, my bras. I had to, I couldn't just buy off the rack. I had to, and then I'm really short, I'm five feet tall. And so being plus size and being tiny is, is in itself difficult. Right. So I've, I've, because I've gone up and down, I know what it's like to be thin and admired for that. And then I also know what it's like to be um, looked at, like I'm worth less right. because right. of my size. Right. Yeah. Okay. And so was the extra weight due to a medical condition or was it, is it something you've struggled with for a long time or? So I struggled with my weight since I hit puberty. Um, but when I got pregnant, especially with the two middle ones, I allowed myself to eat whatever I wanted throughout and I didn't exercise or anything like that. So I've gained about 80 pounds with each pregnancy. Unfortunately, my body just, you know, a lot of, a lot of women get their pregnant, you know, the pre-pregnancy body right back. Um, I stayed within the realm of those 80 pounds. I, they stayed on me for a good couple years after each birth. So, mm -hmm. okay. 
So um, I guess I'm making an assumption by saying that it's a struggle to have the extra weight. Is it a struggle for you or is, a, you know, Bobby's saying that that's what society tells us, that it should be a struggle, that it's hard, that being plus size is the bad thing and that it's difficult. Is it a struggle for you or was it? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it still is. I mean, to an extent, it's not as anywhere near as much anymore. It used to be far more. My family ingrained in me, you're small, you're small or you're worthless. You're, you're, you weigh the size you're supposed to, you're, you know, supposed to BMI should be within if this range. And if you have chub in your arms, or if you have chub in your love handles, then you're overweight. And then you don't, you don't deserve as much love as the average person. And so I was given diet pills as a teenager by my mom. Mm -hmm. um, I was, you know, applauded if I lost five pounds. My dad used to weigh me at the dinner table sometimes. I would starve oh. myself the whole day just to look like I lost weight so that he would be happy. So I ended up having to go to therapy for that. And I did EMDR to help reduce yeah. some of the trauma from that. And so what one of the things that I started doing after I was diagnosed with MS, because I have MS and I was diagnosed in 2012, is trying to live a holistically healthy lifestyle. And one of those things is men like mental health. Right. And being obsessed about food and being obsessed about being skinny and having an eating disorder does not align with health. Right. So right. seeing a therapist and helped incredibly like helped me incredibly and then also I would I would dig into research on my own I would also look at TED talks there's one TED talk that really really just changes the way that I thought about how we develop mindsets and for me I really wanted to break out of that mindset of if I'm chunky if I'm if I'm fat then I'm worthless and what she said was fake it until you become it and keep you know keep self-talk you tell yourself something every day, you don't believe it. One day you're going to wake up and you it's actually going to click and you're going to believe it. Right. And so part of what I decided to do is get up, look in the mirror. I love myself. I love the way I look, even though I wasn't feeling it. And part of that was also posting po vulnerable posts on my Instagram, on my TikTok, on my Facebook, letting people know this is what I look like. These are the things that I can do in spite of it. And I'm still worth something. This is, this is does not take away from who I am as a person, what I have to offer to society. And right. I started getting positive feedback. A lot of people were really happy that I was willing to put myself out there like that. And unfor unfortunately, it wasn't until recently this year that I would then post my tummy. I have a fupa, I have extra flab, I have extra fat, I have cellulite, I have um, stretch marks, I, I have, you know, all of it. And I actually decided to post myself doing some yoga in a sports bra and a pair of shorts. And I just let it all hang out. And um, I was really scared when I put that out there because of society and what society tells us. And unfortunately there are trolls that are out there ready to tell me how disgusting I am, ready right. to tell me that I need to go to the gym, even though right. I could probably, <laughs> I could probably squat them. <laughs> Right. They would still try to tear me down. I mean, here I am doing handstands and, and headstands and splits with the body that I have. And I there are still people out there ready to take the chance to try to tear me down. But and unfortunately, that's, and that's what the delete button is for. 
that's what the delete and the block button are for. And so I learned how to use those very well. And fortunately, what ended up happening is a lot of people, especially women or female, um, um, female, female, um, ah, I'm so sorry. My Identify. brain just stopped working. Female identifying. The identifying is a word that I like dropped out of my head. I have MS, so I use right. That's okay. Yeah, it happens. Um, they were telling me things like, "I'm crying right now because I see my body type doing yoga. I'm crying right now because you just made me feel like I could go to class, uh, take a yoga class. I could take a movement class." And um, I am not gonna. I'm gonna brag a little bit, but one of my posts has over 350,000 views and I'm in a pair of shorts and a sports bra and I'm rolling down on the ground. You can see my belly sagging. You can see it touching the ground. And I was really scared when I put it out there, but now I'm really happy that I did. And so now most of my TikToks show me as I am. And that's what has people gravitating towards my content because they're seeing authenticity and they're seeing um, a lack of fear. Because now I'm at the point where I'm, where I'm thinking, like Brene Brown says, if they're not in the arena with you, if they're in the nosebleed seats, then their opinions don't matter. You listen right. to the people that are there fighting the good fight with you. Right. And so right. I surrounded myself with people who I value and who fight the good fight with me. And now those people up in the nosebleed seats, they can't touch me. Wouldn't you say that self-confidence is one of the major things um, to help you if you if you are plus size and you're worrying um is anybody going to want to date me is anybody going to go with that, out with me what can i do to attract more people wouldn't you say self-confidence is key to that yeah 100 it doesn't matter what you look like doesn't matter what we wear doesn't matter how you express yourself outward the outward appearance it, it literally is do you have confidence do you have confidence to stand up for your values mm -hmm. to know who you are and express yourself as who you are authentically in a genuine way, then you end up attracting people who are like you. Right, absolutely, I agree. Um, so um, have you found that being plus size has negatively impacted your dating sex or relationships? No, there's always someone out there that's gonna love you exactly the way that you are, extra fluff and all. <laughs> okay, so it's not been a drawback, that's good. Um, so you said that you have MS. Um, do you mind me calling that a disability or is there other terminology that you prefer? Um, okay, so MS is a disease and it's a chronic illness, but it doesn't, in some people it might not, it doesn't cause disability, but in most okay. of us it does. In most of okay. us it does and it has in me. And I, I also have fibromyalgia. Okay, so, so what kind of um, disability does it cause in you? What, what things can you not do because of? So um, multiple sclerosis is demyelination disorder of the central nervous system. So anything that the central nervous system controls, MS can affect. And for myself, I have lesions, both sides of my brains, and I have lesions on each of my optic nerves. So what that means is that I already have impaired eyesight. I can't drive at night. And there are times when I'm in a flare that I can't read a book. And I have trouble doing things like watching TV and driving. Um, I also have issues with speech sometimes. Um, I have fatigue that comes and goes. 
I have I have tremors and it's almost every night I might have my tremors. Um, I also have cognitive delay issues. Um, like just a moment ago, a word fell out of my head, identify. Right. Um, I'll be mid-sentence and then I'll forget what I was saying. Um, uh, insomnia. Uh, I also received nerve blocks for injectables for occipital neuralgia, which is a disabling pain condition from the demyelination of the occipital nerve. I have trigeminal neuralgia, which is a pain condition from the demyelination of the trigeminal nerve, which runs like a tree, like a branch across your face, your cheek, your jaw. And so if I get touched there in the wrong way, I'll spend the whole day in pain, like somebody stabbing me in the face. Uh, I actually had an eye doctor one time, just try to like touch under my eye to look in. And I spent the entire day in bed in pain oh because my. of that one touch. Yeah. Um, and then because of the fibromyalgia, I'll have tingling. Uh, I lose, I lose feeling in my fingers and my, in my, in my feet and my toes, um, nerve pain all over body pain, um, difficulty walking. And so it's intermittent. Luckily, like most days I do have symptoms. So baseline, I start off with some kind of pain, some kind of weakness somewhere. And then I hope by the end of the day that I can still walk around. Um, but it's so unpredictable mm -hmm. from one day to the next. I can't hold a regular job. Right. And so that's why I do social media. Social media for me is an outlet to actually feel like I'm contributing to society in a positive way. So right. I'm just trying to get people to mobilize and move their bodies a little bit and, um, you know, do a little bit of yoga, do a little seated mobility. Um, and I also teach people about using cannabis as a, as a um, symptom reducer, something that to actually like add a to add a component to add within your whole, you know, um, toolbox of things that you might use to help increase your quality of life with chronic disease. Um, but, you know, for me, chronic disease has just been a mixed bag of some days I can do just all the things. And then the next day I'm in bed and doing nothing. Right, right, yeah. So it seems like that would, negatively impact you trying to be intimate with someone <laughs> some of those symptoms like someone wanting to touch your face it's kind of hard yes. to be intimate with someone and not touch their face what has that been a problem for you yeah there are certain there are certain times where when we i'm trying to be intimate with, with someone um i have to tell them you can't touch me here 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 and here or i would prefer this to be gentle or I can't really feel very much in this area. You needed to be, you know, stronger. Um, and, you know, there are, it, obviously when I'm in severe pain, nothing, there is no intimacy. I'm in right. bed by myself, ice pack on my head, hoping that I pass out soon. Okay. So have people been um, open to making accommodations for these problems or, you know, how's that been? Um, so my ex-husband is my ex-husband for a multitude of reasons, including the fact that he wasn't so accommodating to the fact that I was disabled. It was an issue. It was an issue that we weren't together as often as he wanted us to be. Right. And then I had another partner also at one point. So, um, but that he was, he's been the only one because quite honestly, anyone else 
who I've talked to and I've tried to develop some kind of relationship, at least romantic, um, they've been very accommodating. They've been very compassionate. Um, and I did not feel at all like I was imposing on them because I was, I'm disabled. Um, actually, one of the people I'm talking to right now, she has MS too. So uh, we actually relate on a lot of levels. There, there's been times where we try to plan a FaceTime and it's like, I'm sorry, but my symptoms are acting up. And guess what? I understand. So it's okay. No worries. And because one day it's me too. Um, so luckily, because I am surrounded by the right kind of people, these right. are the kind of people that have the compassion, the patience, and the understanding to know, like, you know what? If it doesn't happen one day, that's fine. It's not a big deal. So at what point in a new relationship would you tell them about your disability? Day one. It's... <laughs> <laughs> completely understand people who hide it. I completely understand people who are, you know, they slowly dip themselves in that pool. I throw right. myself, in, I'm like, cannonball, you're going to find out about this right away. And um, the reason that I do this is, first of all, on my social media up front, I say MS. I'm an MS advocate. Most people who follow me have some sort of chronic disease, including MS. Um, I pride myself on the fact that I have this disease and I'm able to do the things that I do. And I'm able to teach people how to live better lifestyles with this disease. So the first thing you're gonna know is that I have a mess, straight off. And for me, right. it actually works out because I tend to filter people out pretty quickly doing right. that. Well, it sounds like you wouldn't be very successful at hiding it anyway <laughs> with the amount of symptoms that you have, so. <laughs> no, I don't, <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, I have a, my TikTok has 48,000 followers and MS with an orange heart right on my bio. First thing right. you, that you see. So, uh, no, I wouldn't be able to hide it. Well, I was thinking of someone maybe you met on the street and said, let's go get coffee. And, you know, would you be having some symptoms while you're sitting there with them that they would notice? I mean, I am very hesitant to engage with people in person because um, at first, like, I, I don't just go get coffees with a rando, with a random person, I call them <laughs> randos, with a random person who walks up to me and says, hey, let's go get a coffee. And I'm like, no, but here's my Instagram. Oh, okay. Here's my, here's my numberless text. Let's FaceTime a little bit. Um, okay. I, I, yeah, I've never done that. I, I have met people up for coffee after a few conversations online, like on Hinge or something. I, I've actually, and they've remained my friends. Um, but I, I need to know, first of all, are you cool with the fact that I'm a disabled person? Are you cool with the fact that I'm non-binary? Are you cool with the fact that I'm also pansexual? Like, I need to know these things. And then I also, I have kids. If you're not cool with any of those things, then we ain't getting coffee. And we can't be friends. And there, right. and that's it. Right. Saves a lot of time and yeah. a lot of trouble. Absolutely, I agree. Um, let's see. So this is very personal, but um, well, I guess we already talked about that. Let's see. So have you ever had a person that you were dating who didn't want to be seen with you in public because either you were plus size or disabled? No, because I weed them out real quick, <laughs> right from the beginning. You have a problem with any of these things, we are not going to be seen together because we're not going to be together. Okay, I could see a scenario where they said with their mouth, 
oh yeah, yeah, I'm okay with all those things. And then when you actually get out with them in person, they're like, well, I'm a little more self-conscious than I thought I was going to be. So what do you do then? No, luckily, <laughs> luckily I haven't, I haven't um, met anyone like that yet. I, ha- I luckily, I have not had that happen to me, but um, okay. it would be incredibly frustrating, incredibly frustrating. Um, I, I tend to be very, um, I'm a, so I'm an extrovert. I collect friends like people collect cars. Like mm-hmm. I really love people. I do. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to people within my inner circle, you know, I feel like relationships are like like an onion. Like you have people on those outer layers. You know, you got acquaintances that might be that crunchy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have your inner core. You know, the inner core. People who are trying to get to there, <laughs> they need to pass a bunch of different tests and one of them is do have I seen that you are open-minded person who is kind who is trying to live a wholehearted life who is trying to connect with people in a vulnerable way are you trying to heal yourself and your past traumas oh you are okay cool now we can meet (laughs) now we can meet okay (laughs) great well um do you have any tips for people who are plus size or who have a disability that might help them in um, having better relationships, um, dating, anything like that, any tips for them? Yeah. So one of the best things that you could possibly do is self-care and learning how to increase your own quality of life. The more you, I feel like we need to have a really full cup that overflows to then be able to provide for others. If we don't have that, (laughs) we're giving from an empty cup, we're doing ourselves a disservice. And in the end, the relationship is just not going to work. So find things that are going to help increase your quality of life. Find things that are going to help make your life easier so that when you're ready to meet people and form deep connections with them, you, you, you have to give, you have energy to give, you have time, you have um, security in yourself and you can be authentic and you can be genuine um, because that, that in itself is going to help you attract people who are of the same mind, of the, have the same values um, and are looking for the same thing. And um, that, like, will, that in itself will also help increase your confidence and your self-esteem. So, right. you know, a lot of people assume that when there's they're going to start dating it's about the outward appearance and getting people to like them and you should be doing the, the opposite self-care treat yourself love yourself find that self-love self-compassion and then you're going to start radiating from the inside out and that will attract people you're going to be swatting away suitors left and right yeah. <laughs> okay do you feel that being part of the polyamorous community has made plus size dating harder or easier? It's easier. You have more. I, I feel I feel that people within the poly community are a little bit more open to all types of people. I feel like they don't have these rigid rules as to who they're willing to let into their lives in that in that way. And so mm-hmm. um, I feel definitely the poly community is for me more inclusive to all sizes and abilities and disabilities than trying to date within monogamy right right I agree yes 
Okay, well, this has been so helpful. Is there, is there anything else you'd like to add that we haven't talked about? Anything that you think is important about these subjects that we haven't touched on? I don't know, you've been pretty thorough. Um, we, you know, we talked about um, disability and being plus size, um, self-love. Um, no, I, I can't think of anything, but I can't, I'm just gonna put myself out there real quick. I'm Heal okay. Girl, H-E-P-L-G-I-R-L, Heal Girl. Um, I'm on Instagram, TikTok, and I'm on Facebook, Suzette Rosario, Heal Girl. Um, if you ever have any questions about any of these things or even increasing your quality of life with chronic disease, mm -hmm. you can follow me, hit me up, I'm available. Okay. Great, well, I hope everybody will visit your TikTok and your Instagram and all those things and give you some self-love. <laughs> Thank, Thank you so much for today and talking to me. I really appreciate it. And I think it was a very productive conversation. I agree. Thank you so much for having me, Judy. Oh, thank you. Bye-bye.